Hello and welcome to the Latter-day Saint Women podcast, where we share the legacy of women of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. You'll get to know the faithful women who shaped our past and hear from inspiring women of faith today. I'm Carly Guyman. And I'm Shailen Back. We're your co-hosts. Today, we're excited to welcome Sister Lisa Harkness, the first counselor in the primary general presidency to the podcast. Sister Harkness, welcome. Thank you. We're so glad you were able to join us today. And before we jump into our conversation, we just wanted to share with our listeners a little about Sister Harkness. She was called as the first counselor in the primary general presidency in 2018. She's from Los Angeles, California. She served a Spanish-speaking mission in the Louisiana Baton Rouge mission, and she graduated from BYU with bachelor's degrees in political science and secondary teaching. And Sister Harkness, we are thrilled to have you with us today to share your experiences with us. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Just as Sister Harkness was coming in, we were talking with her about how, despite the craziness in the world right now and how things are not done as they have been in the past, that you're actually busier than ever. <laughs> and That's we, true. <laughs> and we keep hearing that from the presidencies and board members. But you shared with us that just recently you returned, I guess you could say, from a virtual tour of West Africa and this 10-day tour involving visits and trainings. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us more about that? That was so interesting to me. Sure, absolutely. It was a little bit of a disappointment to not be there personally. I tell you, I was really, really looking forward to it. I had been to South Africa and Madagascar and Congo the year before, so I thought, oh, I can hardly wait Mm -hmm. to meet the people of West Africa. But when we knew it was not going to be, the wonderful area presidency there put together a schedule where we could get to six different countries, have seven different instructional meetings with different leaders uh, there in each uh, location, and then have devotionals. Sister Eubank and I shared about an hour and a half at the devotional. And then they even arranged for us to have uh, home visits. And it worked wonderfully well. It was absolutely amazing to see these beautiful saints, these families in their homes. It was really a sweet treasure for me. This is so amazing to me, Mm -hmm. the opportunities that we've been forced to have (laughs) that have really been so wonderful. Yeah, I agree. The fun thing for me is I I just did it from my home. Mm-hmm. Plugged into the my right hardwire their home. Yes, right? exactly. And we couldn't have some of the interaction in our large meetings that we would have, but I saw them on the screen. Mm-hmm. And they were gathered in their buildings all separated 6 feet apart with their masks mm-hmm. on and there were thousands of them. Thousands of it'll make me cry just to talk about it, but to see their beautiful faces priesthood leaders and organizational leaders together. It was really a wonderfully sweet experience. Of course, in the home visits, I do that every day. Mm -hmm. That was just Mm -hmm. more fun than an amusement park, probably. But I (laughs) just loved it. And to talk with the children and to sing with the children and their families, it was such a sweet, sweet gift. They are faithful saints. Oh, they are faithful. And teaching each other the gospel, ministering to each other. Of course, they have challenges like we all do everywhere, right? But they are living the gospel and they are following Jesus Christ in extraordinary ways. They're such an example to me. I will never forget that virtual trip, sitting in my home, being in their homes. It was such a sweet treat. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing. And yeah, that would be so strengthening to be able to connect with saints on the other side of the world, Mm. seeing them pursuing the same things that we're trying to pursue, strengthening faith and strengthening families and 
And fun that you get to connect with the kids, too. (laughs) Oh, that was just a treat. I think I shared with you that as we were walking in, that story of that little girl and Mm -hmm. the the song, I have to just say that again because it's just etched in my mind and memory and my soul now. But I always ask in a home visit, so tell me about your favorite song, a primary song or a hymn. And always everyone has a favorite song that they identify with or that they anchor part of their testimony on. And in this particular visit, the father and the mother both had their favorite songs, and they shared them, and then they wanted to sing them. So we all sang Mm -hmm. every word. And then the six-year-old little girl in this family said, well, I have one, too. And I said, well, what is it? And then she, without missing a beat, just opened her mouth wide and started to sing, Joy to the world, the (laughs) Lord has come, let earth receive her king. And she sang every verse of that song. And what I heard from her voice was her testimony of the Savior. Six years old, and by knowing that song, she knew about her Savior, and she shared that with us through music. It was really a powerful experience. I wish I had her here. She could sing it for you. She could sing it, yeah. Oh, you would just love it. (laughs) Their energy and enthusiasm and testimony came through as she sang. That's beautiful. Thank you. Thanks for sharing Mm -hmm. that. Sister Harkness, in your calling in the Primary General Presidency, you have a supportive role in the Friend magazine. That's And correct. there have been lots of recent changes to church magazines in general, and it really is providing for a global unified message. So the Friend now is going to be translated in languages worldwide, mm-hmm. where before it was just portions that would be in the Liahona that would be accessible to people. But now... So the Friend for Children, we have the Strength of Youth magazine for youth, and then the Liahona for adults. And so it really is kind of incredible to think about this, that everyone will have access to this same unified message. And we would love to know what role did the primary organization play in the changes made to the Friend magazine? Well, certainly we've always been supportive of this uh, new worldwide publishing plan. Our role has been more supportive, but we definitely have supported it every step of the way. So really excited for children all over the world. Many children, think about it, 48 languages, 48. That covers a great portion of the church's children all over the world. Personally, I I just want to react to the blessing it will be to children On a trip to Madagascar last year, I had asked the friend if they had any friends in Malagasy, because I thought, oh, you know, if we go visit some children, I'd love to be able to give them a friend in their own language. And so they arranged for a couple copies of the friend to be produced in Malagasy. I took them with me, wanted to make sure they were in my suitcases and wouldn't get bent or dented or whatever, wrinkled in any way. And when we were in Madagascar, I had the opportunity to go into a couple homes, and I brought those friends, those copies of the friend with me. And at one point, I was able to hand them to the children, and you should have seen their eyes. It was as if they were savoring every picture and every word on every page. They turned every page and held it. I mean, I couldn't even talk with them after that because they were so enthralled in the friend. Mm -hmm. I was utterly delighted to see their enthusiasm and excitement, to hold it in their hands in their own language. It was really, really something sweet. And it really is such a great tool for teaching and learning, right? both for children individually and, like you said, as families. Mm -hmm. And I love the story you shared of how enthralled children were to have their Mm -hmm. very own copy. And that's exciting to think Mm -hmm. about. Probably something that we maybe take for granted or don't even get in our home anymore because we can get it on one of our many devices. Wow, that's true. You know? That's true. So it's something that we could take for granted. And 
In an interview about the changes recently, you said that the magazines, again, are this practical tool to help us learn about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm wondering what you would suggest for women around the world to better utilize church magazines as a resource to teach the gospel, but also to study it and learn it for themselves? Oh, that's a great, great question. And certainly this would go for men as well. So those that are fathers as well. But for parents, the opportunity to use the friend as a catalyst for casual conversations with their children during the week is just incredible. We often think, okay, the gospel learning in the home is done in family night, or it's done in scripture study, or perhaps in other types of family council settings. But so much of gospel learning in the home takes place with those casual interactions, those casual conversations. The time spent doing dishes, the time spent putting a child to bed or driving in a car Mm -hmm. or riding a bus. And those stories in the friend, those activities in the friend, those things that are there will help parents have those casual conversations. Do you remember such and such story? Do you remember this when we did this? What do you think of that? And it would help a child express and learn in their own language, right? It, the, the friend does such a fabulous job of writing to a child's understanding and in a way that a child sees the world and internalizes the concepts and principles of the gospel. And so it's a valuable, a, a really an invaluable tool to parents to have these sort of casual, very meaningful, gospel-centered conversations at the home. And I love that the friend is something that children can own. They can it hold can be their and it's theirs. Yeah, I'm just thinking about the children in my life, and it's just neat because they can just kind of do whatever they want with it, and it can yes. lead them through, even through just the pictures, they can start asking questions about who's this mm-hmm. and what is this. Yes, Amazing. I know some families that have to have one copy for every child right. because <laughs> the children are so own. possessive of their own yeah, copy, definitely. right? Yeah. They want to do the coloring and they want to do the dot to dots and mm-hmm. things. So yes, I, there are some families where they have several copies of the friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to see the impact that this is going to have worldwide on mm-hmm. the children in the church. Me too, me too. Well, and what I think about too is women may have their own families and their own children, or they may not around the world. But we know that many, many women are involved in teaching children and youth as primary leaders, as youth leaders, and how instrumental they will be in helping children and youth get these magazines into their home too. Absolutely. So certainly something women will be a part of all over the world. Oh, absolutely. So Sister Harkness, at the time of this recording, we are still in the midst of the worldwide COVID pandemic. And in your recent general conference talk, so in October of 2020, Peace Be Still, you shared a really beautiful quote from President Nelson in a talk that he gave back in 2011. And quoting him, you said, we do not need to let our fears displace our faith. We can combat those fears by strengthening our faith. Start with your children. Let them fill your faith even when sore trials come upon you. Let your faith be focused on our loving Heavenly Father and His beloved Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Teach each precious boy or girl that he or she is a child of God created in His image with a sacred purpose and potential. Each is born with challenges to overcome and faith to be developed. So with that, really encouraging message in mind from our prophet. What would you say to women who are listening to mothers and leaders who maybe are feeling a loss of hope or aren't feeling a lot of resilience right now, but who are trying to teach their children or help their children face their trials with hope and faith? Well, what I say, the first thing I'd probably say is you're normal. 
(laughs) (laughs) That's a completely normal feeling to have, especially uh, right now in the things that we've been experiencing in our homes and communities and countries. But you're normal, and to not beat yourself up for being (laughs) normal, right? And and to not think that our faith is somehow less because we have normal mortal feelings. So it's okay to be normal. Mm -hmm. But then after we recognize we're normal, then what do we do? I don't know about you, but I have trials and struggles and tribulations, and I have some of my trials have no solution, and. They're not going to go away anytime soon. And sometimes when we're in the middle of trials or troubles or or frustrations or disappointments or heartaches, whatever they may be, whether current or even reflecting on the past, sometimes we might find reason or, or think we have no hope. We have no ability to look forward or that God is not answering or listening to our prayers. And it is in those times that the most fundamental principles of the gospel are the most anchoring, the most quieting, the most hopeful, I guess, the most foundational, if we're going to use that word. And that's one of the reasons, one of the first things a child learns is, I am a child of God, and He has sent me here. Think about all we know because we know that one truth. There's so much, and that's why perhaps President Nelson made that comment that he did that I used in general conference, to teach your children who they really are. That fundamental truth helps us weather the storms of life. Because storms are going to come, winds are going to blow, some of them are going to be fierce and strong and knock down trees unexpectedly, right? And waves are going to form and they're going to crash on our boats and they're going to make us feel at times like we're drowning. But it is our knowledge of who we are as children of God that can keep us steady despite storms. Because we know we're children of God, we know He loves us. He can't help but do it. He, he loves us. And because we know we're children of God, we know He sent His Son to bring us home. That right there can get us through trials that are tricky and confusing and sometimes even debilitating if we focus on those truths. So. To answer your question, Carly, the women that may be feeling a lack of hope or wonder how they're going to make it through a trial and still teach their children these things or what to teach their children, focus on the most basic principles of the gospel because it's those that anchor us when the winds and the storms get really fierce. I appreciate you saying that because I just am seeing a lot of this around me and in my own life that it's we just have fear we have fear of the unknown Mm -hmm. and just any trials that we have it's hard to see the end of them sometimes and so it's hard to still be an example of faith when we have these fears and anxieties about the future but i love what you said just go back to the basics because i'm imagining if you're reading your scriptures even though you may not be feeling necessarily a lot of direction or hope your children will see you reading the scriptures Mm -hmm. and so it's like okay that's giving me hope of how i can be an example even if i'm having these fears they can see me doing these basic things and continuing to pray and anyway i just appreciate you saying that Well, I like that, too, because sometimes we feel like we have to have it all together in order to keep it all together. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's not how life is. Sometimes we're just acting like Nephi, going into the city to get the plates, not knowing beforehand how the Lord will direct us. And I don't know about you, but that's how I feel sometimes. Sometimes I don't know where I'm going to be led. I don't know what to do, but I know He does, and I trust Him. 
And there might be a little fear or anxiety because I don't know the future. For all of us, that's a very normal, mortal human response to have. But the idea is, like President Nelson said, not to let our fear overtake our faith, Mm -hmm. to always concentrate more on our faith and our fear. We're always going to have fear of one sort of another. We're always going to not know what the future will bring. It's a very, like you said, a normal normal human emotion, right? Right. And the hard thing about trials is that they come on you. They just sneak up on you sometimes. You don't know when they're going to come and you don't know when they're going to leave. But it's this element that God knows and he'll take care of you and he's provided for your endurance before you even knew that the trial was coming. That's beautiful. And I think too, just as you were describing what we want to remind our children of and also remind ourselves of is so comforting, just going back to those very basic, simple truths that are just at the core of what we believe, Mm -hmm. that that can bring us so much peace. So thank you. I think that's an important reminder for all of us. And this time has been so unique because everyone to some degree, I think it's safe to say, Mm -hmm. has just dealt with feelings of, in addition to fear, feelings of loneliness and isolation. Mm -hmm. But these feelings aren't necessarily just unique to being in a pandemic. I know that people and members of the church feel loneliness despite the pandemic. And in addition to feeling physically or emotionally lonely, I've heard people say that they feel spiritually lonely. I'm wondering what you would say What can we do if we're feeling spiritually lonely, especially when we aren't able to attend church meetings and we're not able to Mm -hmm. attend the temple and interact in ways that we're used to? Wow, that's a really good question. And I would ask you the same thing. Have you ever felt that way? Because I know I have at times. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when I'm in the middle of that spiritually lonely feeling, I can't always figure out how I got there, but I can identify it once I am there. Mm -hmm. And so once I'm there, what do I do about it? And again, we have to operate within the context of our particular situation or challenge and concentrate more on what we can do than what we can't do. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, for spiritual loneliness, there is so much we can do. In my life, and this is just me, when I'm feeling disconnected, I know that I've neglected to do something important. I've put other things you know, the busy things of the day, the dishes, the housework, the shopping. They just kind of take over, right? They do, <laughs> and, and they can take over without you even realizing it, mm-hmm. right? And then all of a sudden, you feel disconnected. And you think, okay, I've got to center myself again. One of the things that I do that centers me within 20, 30 minutes, and I know it's not as easy as switching on a light, you know, and turning off a light. It doesn't happen that fast. But in my life, when I engage in family history activities, all of a sudden, I feel unlonely. Mm-hmm. When I index and read about people that have gone before, when I try my very best with success or not to find a birth date or a death date or a marriage date of an ancestor, or when I simply read about an ancestor, somehow I don't feel as lonely. I don't know that everyone would have the same experience as me, but in my life, that helps me to not be spiritually lonely. And of course, there's things like getting into the scriptures, humbling myself before God in prayer, and trying to hear his voice more clearly and more unmistakably, that helps immensely to not feel spiritual loneliness. As you're saying that, I'm thinking of times, because I don't do family history as frequently as I would like to and that I want to, but there have been times I even shared with Carly, I'm like, I fell down a rabbit hole one time (laughs) just finding out about one person, Mm -hmm. and I just felt so connected to her. And so Mm -hmm. as you were talking, I'm like, I know what that feels like. Mm -hmm. Right, okay. To just be a part of, you just know that 
there's so much more to life and yeah, things are so say, much bigger than just I think just it gives yourself. you probably some really valuable perspective. Mm-hmm. It sure does. To be looking at someone else's whole life almost. It sure does. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And reading about ancestors, if you're fortunate enough to have a story from mm-hmm. a great grandma or great, great aunt or, or whatever, reading about their stories and struggles and imagining, wow, how would I have done that? Mm-hmm. Talk about loneliness. Some of them were, you know, in really Face difficult, really serious hard challenges. Things. So it helps us put our own trials in perspective, I think. I actually think there is some research that knowing our family history mm-hmm. provides children and, and adults alike with greater resilience and yes. gives us some needed grit. I'm glad you brought that up, Carly, because mm-hmm. how important, in other words, how important to make these things known unto the children of men mm-hmm. from the Book of Mormon there, but how important it is to make our family history stories known to children. It anchors them and helps them know, hey, someone else has gone through this before. It helps them not to feel lonely mm-hmm. when they feel like they have a whole family behind them that have gone through difficult, hard things. They know that they're not alone in the world. I love that. And I think that's also, you know, when we think about this absence of the temple in our lives right Mm -hmm. now, Mm -hmm. I know that's something that President Nelson has counseled us to do, spend more time in family history. And if the temple was something that you look to for strength and for comfort and reassurance, maybe replace that with some time doing indexing. Or like you said, Mm -hmm. it doesn't even have to be, because I know I get very overwhelmed with family history. (laughs) And it can be as easy as reading a story and feeling strength from the experiences and testimony of someone who's gone before you. It sure can. And you know, bedtime stories that are family history centered are some of the best. Uh, When our children were young, they didn't want me to put them to bed. They wanted dad (laughs) because dad always told them about him. And he would Mm. lay down in their rooms with them, you know, as they're going to bed. And they would say, Dad, tell us a story. And he would tell them a story of a failure or a success or a challenge or a difficulty. And that's family history. Mm -hmm. You don't have to reach back hundreds of years. Right. (laughs) Yeah. That can be beneficial to kids. Exactly. Just sharing how you go through life, staying connected to God is history. And that can be such a strengthening influence for children. So, Sister Harkness, in preparation for this interview, Shaylin pulled a quote from a devotional that you gave recently at BYU-Idaho that just fits in perfectly with what we're talking about with this loneliness and some counsel that you gave to the students there that was really beautiful. So this is what you said at BYU-Idaho. Please pay close attention to the people around you. You are not where you are by accident. There is a divine design to our Father in Heaven's work for His children. You may be the loving neighbor, the listening ear, the friendly face, the thoughtful son or daughter, the strong back, or the helpful hands that Heavenly Father has designed to serve those closest to you, meaning your family and extended family, friends, roommates, coworkers, teammates, classmates, and more. And we both, we talked about this, it really resonated with both of us. And we'd love to hear how you personally do this or how you've seen this in your own life and how we can better pay attention to those right around us who might be feeling these feelings of fear and loneliness that we are given to bless and reach out to. Mm. Well, I'd like to tell you all the wonderful, fabulous things I do, but I don't do it (laughs) wonderfully and fabulously all the time. And I have to work at it. Uh, noticing those around us is sometimes a challenging thing because we have to get outside of ourselves and see others in a different way. During that same trip to BYU-Idaho, we talked about how do we notice others. And the analogy that I used was that of sparrows. 
So you know in the New Testament, in both Matthew and Luke, that the Lord tells us to fear not because you are of more worth than many sparrows, and that even the hairs of your head are noticed, and that one sparrow will not fall to the ground without your father noticing. What does that mean? Well, do you know that there are more sparrows than any other bird on the planet? Actually, the only other more numerous bird is a chicken. But besides that, they live in every continent, in every place. Very common. Antarctica, I don't know. Yeah, they're very common. And yet they live around us all the time. You see them every day. But do you see them? Do you really notice them? And that's very uh, akin to how we are with those around us. Because they're so common to us, because we see them so often, including those in our homes. Oh, yeah. Because our familiarity with them, we know their voice, we know what they look like, so we kind of look past them, we, we look through them sometimes. And so uh, to think about our earthly experience in a divine design type of context or setting, we know that our Heavenly Father knows all and He's planned all. And if we see our life as a way where he has planned for our every interaction and for all of our growth by the interactions that are placed before us, we may start to see people for who they really are and for how they can bless our lives and for how we were meant to bless theirs. So being open to them, having our guard down and saying hello. I don't know about you, but the first time I was in an elevator in the southern part of the United States, I learned a very valuable lesson. I grew up in a bigger city, and when you entered an elevator, everybody looked forward, nobody said anything, <laughs> right? You, you just. But the first time I was in an elevator in the south, in the southern part of the United States, when the people came on the elevator, they greeted you, hello. And I thought, can I say hello back? I mean, is that <laughs> like, loud? <laughs> wow, can I do that? And then when they left, they would say, have a nice day. And I thought, wow, they noticed me. I wasn't just a part of the elevator. And that changed how I started to see other people. Somebody in the grocery store, somebody that is irritating me on the road, <laughs> or a, a neighbor, even a husband, or a child, or a sister. Those that are most common in our life, the most familiar with our lives, are brought there, are meant to enrich and bless our lives if we let him. There were a couple words in that same talk that you gave that stood out to me. You said, you pray that our eyes might be open to the simple, uncomplicated ways that we can choose today to serve God mm -hmm. by serving his children. Especially recently, I've seen a lot of friends and family members who are going through some really tough things. I mean, especially job loss at this time or a lot of addiction or challenges mm. with mental health or even people having these crises in their faith. And I just want to know from your perspective how you think we can specifically support our spouses through these trials if our spouse has a job loss or something. How can we overcome this frustration that we might feel too in our marriage? All I can speak from is my own personal experience. And that's very tender. Because I know I've been guilty of looking past and through my husband in the middle of a trial. And I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have done that, and I hope I don't do that. Sorry for the emotion there. But he once was a little boy that had hopes and dreams for the future, just like I was a little girl that had the same hopes and dreams and visions and expectations that everything in life would be just wonderful someday. And then things happen. Then life happens. You make covenants, sacred covenants with each other that you'll always put God first. And yet still trials come. 
so, so often in trials, we tend to um, turn inward and we tend to grow blind to the needs of others. And especially those, and I don't know why this is so, but especially those that are closest to us. Perhaps it's because our relationships with them are so tender. Perhaps, I, I don't know. But what can we do? We can see them for who they really are. See them for the child of God that they are and for all the good that they're trying to do. Knowing that storms will pass, they always do. Some last a long time, but storms always pass. And what remains is the covenant relationships we have with each other and with God. Those are eternal. And so the the temporary frustrations or setbacks or heartaches or difficulties or, you know, there aren't those trials, but sometimes the really hard ones, they're all temporary. And asking Heavenly Father for the vision and the wisdom and the personal self-control to see outside of ourselves, to see our spouse for who they really are, may help. But that has been my approach. And I, I'd love to tell you I'm always perfectly successful. I have to work at it, like we probably all do in our relationships, right? We probably, we all do. But asking God for help to see that which is eternal, to sift, sift it from the things that are temporary is so important when it comes to supporting our spouses. Mm-hmm. I think that's really helpful guidance to, to say, get Heavenly Father's help, you yeah. know, turn to Him and seek His guidance and get His help. And I also think you've mentioned that covenants are always there. Mm. And it's beautiful when that covenant relationship between a husband and wife can hold them together in these difficult times. But sometimes that doesn't endure. But we always have our own individual covenants. Right. And we can always rely on God to keep his promises as we rely on him and keep our promises to him, that that never goes away, that that is really eternal. Carly, I love that you brought up promises because that is something that sometimes we, for me at least in my experience, sometimes we overlook. We think that God's promises aren't realized in our life because they're not happening right now. And yet they are there. Mm -hmm. They may be out on the horizon somewhere and they may be very, you know, when you're you're driving in the car and you look as far as you can and and the the objects in the distance are very small, but that doesn't mean they're not real. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean they're not beautiful and that you won't get there someday. God's promises are a lot like that. They may be off in the distance, yet that doesn't mean they don't exist. They're there and they're beautiful. And I hath not seen or ear heard the things that are prepared for those who keep their covenants. Even though unrealized promises look very far in the distance, they're as beautiful and real as if we were right next to them. I know that's true. I appreciated you also saying Heavenly Father can help us sift through what's temporary Mm -hmm. and then sift through the things that are eternal. And I really loved that. That was a little more tangible to me than sometimes saying, you know, have an eternal perspective. That sometimes seems very overwhelming, Mm -hmm. but having help to sift through the things that are temporary versus the thing which are lasting Mm -hmm. and more important, that's helpful for me just to kind of break it down a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I appreciate Mm -hmm. that. Thank you. I think too, Shaylin and I talked in preparation for this, just that this idea of not looking beyond those who are closest to us is, I think it is challenging because we desire to make a difference and we're invited to reach out and care for everyone around Mm. us. And it is really easy to overlook 
the people that are very closest to us that we really are given to care for. And that's given me a lot to think about because we know that love, I think this is kind of a cheesy saying, but love is spelled by time and by effort. Mm. And if we're not devoting really conscious time and effort to listening and to understanding and to forgiving and being patient with those in our home, our husbands or other family members or those that we live with, Mm. that that's going to make life harder for us, right? I agree. Do you think sometimes that we as women, we worry about housework, we worry about what's for dinner, we worry about the laundry, we worry about those things. And do we sometimes put our family members in the category of chores to be done? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right? (laughs) Rather than people to be loved and adored and helped. Mm-hmm. And how rewarding yeah. those relationships can be when yeah. we invest in them. I we think. have to be careful that we don't put them on our to-do list and said that, you know put them in our hearts and not on a to-do list, our grocery shopping list, you know, or however we would say that. But mm-hmm. thank you, that, mm-hmm. that was really helpful. Sometimes we ask, since this is a platform specifically to women of the church, we ask if there's anything you'd like to share to the listeners. I would just say, hold on to your covenants. Hold on with everything that you have. They will keep you stable. They will provide you the strength, the priesthood power. The mysteries of the kingdom are contained even in our covenants. They will keep you connected. They will help you feel God's love. They will chastise you from time to time, mm-hmm. right? They Because they do, and they're meant to correct us and to help us be better. But they will provide your purpose in life. They'll provide your vision, your perspective. They are your everything. Because God loves us, he gives us covenants through the holy priesthood. And how blessed we are as a people to have made these sacred covenants with God. They keep us connected to him in ways that are encouraging and fulfilling if we will but hold true to them. Thank you. Thank you so much, Sister Harkness, for being here with us today. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Boy, the time's gone fast. I know. And we just really enjoyed our conversation with you. Thank Thank you so much. It was so wonderful to talk with you. And to our listeners, thank you for tuning into this episode of the Latter-day Saint Women Podcast. And we would love to hear from you. If you have any feedback or ideas for future episodes, let us know what you think. You can email Carly and me at podcast at churchofjesuschrist.org. And you can also find us wherever podcasts are found. You can listen to us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Google Podcasts. Podcasts. Mm -hmm. We're available on the Saints Channel app if you download the the Church's Saints Channel app. So we're happy that you're listening here and you can find us other places as well. And until next time, I'm Carly Guyman. And I'm Shailen Back. Have a wonderful day.